0: following message was delivered at Bible Baptist Church in Dickinson North Dakota all right appreciated the specials today man <clears throat> all that extra fiddling going on up here amen I like that Renna's found a partner to fiddle with I don't know whether that's good or bad <laughs> John 21 John 21 this morning beginning in verse 15. John 21 and verse 50. And I appreciate all those that do special music and and uh, serve the Lord during the services. I appreciate Josiah is doing a good job with song leading. Amen. He didn't learn it from me. Amen. He learned it from his dad. got some instruction from Joel. And I appreciate, though, having a song leader. And he say, Well, really? I said, Yeah, because uh, I appreciate it when, most when I don't have one. <laughs> because. You don't want to hear me all the time. Amen. John 21, let's look at verse 15. Bible says, So when they had dined, did Jesus saith to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou... Thou knowest that I love thee. Saith him, feed my he saith to him again the second time, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me? He saith unto him, Yea, Lord, thou knowest that I love thee. He saith unto him, Feed my sheep. He saith unto him the third time, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me? Peter was grieved because he had said unto him the third time, lovest thou me? And he said unto him, Lord, thou knowest all things. Thou knowest that I love thee. Jesus saith unto him, feed my sheep. I'd like to preach on this subject this morning. And a question. The question that the Lord asked Peter, I would like us to ask ourselves this morning. Lovest? Thou me, lovest thou me. Let's pray. Father in heaven, Lord, I thank you again for thy word and Father for the subject. And Lord, we live in a a sin-cursed world, a world that at times, led by the devil, is vying for our love, our affection, our devotion. I pray, God, as we consider this subject this morning, this question, I pray, God, that you'd help every one of us, including myself, to take it personally. Father, how would we answer that question if the Lord were here to ask it of us? And yet, Lord, we know that he is here. And that he's asking us that question today. Lovest thou me? I pray, God, that we might be able, by your grace, to answer it in the affirmative. Father, bless us as we consider these things this morning now, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Lovest thou me? Lovest thou me? Now, here in text, we find the Lord questioning Peter, and we've, as we've learned in the past, that the Lord doesn't ask a question of us because he doesn't know the answer, but rather to get our attention and cause us to question ourselves and see if we know the answer ourselves. And here we find uh, Peter dealing with this. He says uh, something that's very true. He says in verse 17. And he said in him, Lord, thou knowest all things thou knowest that I love thee. You know, in 1 Samuel 16 and verse 6. 1 Samuel 16 and uh, verse 6. Let's remember our God does know in 1 Samuel 16. And beginning in verse 6. 1 Samuel 16 and uh, verse 6. And 17. 16 verse 6. The Bible says, And it came to pass when they were come, uh, that he looked on Eliab and said, Surely the Lord's anointed is before him. Now God had sent Samuel to anoint the next king of Israel long before he would become king. But the Lord said unto, him, unto Samuel, Look not on his countenance, nor on the height of his stature, because I have refused him. For the Lord seeth not as man seeth. For man looketh on the outward appearance, but the Lord looketh on the heart you know peter understood this principle he knew what the scripture says jeremiah 17 and 9 jeremiah 17 and verse 9 the bible says the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked who can know it and let me remind you of something there are times when we don't know our own heart there are times when we don't know our own heart i think peter did not realize their reason that Christ was asking the question is because there's some question as to his love. Even though he says, I love you, thou, you know, thou knowest that I love thee. And look at verse 10, I, the Lord, search the heart, I try the reins, even to give every man according to his ways and according to the fruit of his doings. You know, the Lord is the one that we're dealing with and he searches the heart. He knows us inside and out. We can't hide anything from uh, him. He knows before and, and even as he would ask this question of Peter and would ask it of us, we may not know our heart even this morning as we ought to know. Do you love the Lord? Lovest thou me is the question in uh, Matthew 9. Matthew chapter 9. Many who wanted to deny that the Lord is God and he dealt with them Imagine that they were somehow hiding from him uh, their true heart. In Matthew 9, and look at verse 1, And he entered into a ship, and passed over, and came into his own city. And behold, they brought to him a man sick of the palsy, lying in a bed. And Jesus, seeing their faith, said unto the sick of the palsy, Son, be of good cheer, thy sins be forgiven thee. And behold, certain of the scribes said within themselves, This man blasphemeth. And Jesus, knowing their thoughts, said, Wherefore think ye evil in your hearts? For whether it is easier to say, Thy sins be forgiven, thee to say, Arise and walk, but that ye may know that the Son of Man hath power on earth to forgive sins, then he saith he to the sick of the palsy, Arise, take up thy bed, and go unto thine house. And he arose and departed to his house. But in the midst of this great miracle that the Lord does perform, uh, he forgives sins, but he knows what's going on in the hearts of those that were opposing him, in the hearts of all those that were observing what was going on. And uh, he said, he answered them without even, you know, without them vocalizing the question or vocalizing the matter. They said, within themselves, this man blasphemeth, but Jesus, knowing their thoughts, uh, said, wherefore think ye evil in your hearts? Because he knew what was going on in their hearts. And excuse me, in Hebrews chapter 4, Hebrews chapter 4 and verses 12 and 13. Hebrews chapter 4 and uh, verses 12 and 13. The Bible says, For the word of God is quick, or living, powerful, and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even and dividing asunder of soul and spirit, and of the joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Now, you know what's important about the Bible as we go through the scripture and as I teach and preach thy word, you know, God would take his word by his spirit and he would reveal to you and I the condition of our hearts. God would like us to look today at our own hearts. God would like to reveal to us through his word the condition of our own hearts concerning this question. He goes on to say in verse 13, neither is there any creature that is not made manifest in his sight, but all things are naked and open unto the eyes of him with whom we have to do. You know, sometimes we deceive ourselves, the Bible says. And you know, it's sad when we do that. God would like to, to strip the blinders off and help us to see our own heart, help us to see and answer the question honestly. He says, lovest thou me? Do we love the Lord? In Matthew 24, Matthew 24, you know, some people imagine, well, I, 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 you know, I love Jesus. I mean, what, what kind of a question is that? In Matthew 24, and let's look at verse 12. Matthew 24 and verse 12. The Bible says, And because iniquity shall abound, the love of many shall wax cold. Don't think for a minute that as we as Christian people uh, live in uh, this this sin-cursed world that we're not going to be affected by it. When the Lord says, because iniquity shall abound, and I think the closer we get to the coming of the Lord, the more that sin will abound and the greater effect that it will have upon us. And we, listen, let's not deceive ourselves into thinking that we cannot be affected by it. God says, come out from among them and be a separate say of the Lord and touch not the unclean thing. We need to be careful and know that the evil communications will corrupt good manners if we let it be so. You know what, folks? We're not, we're not super Christians. Amen? We're Christians. We need to, the Bible says, keep thy heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. We need to keep our heart right, keep our love where it ought to be in Revelation chapter 2. Revelation 2 and 1. <clears throat> Revelation 2 and verse 1. And under the, <clears throat> so under the angel the church at Ephesus, write... These things saith he that holdeth the seven stars in his right hand, who walketh in the midst of of the seven golden candlesticks. I know thy works. Now, you know, folks, God knows the heart of a church. He knows what's going on in every uh, life of every member, and what have you, knows what's going on. I know thy works, and thy labor, and thy patience, and how thou canst not bear them which are evil, and hast uh, tried them which say they're apostles, and are not, and hast found them liars and has borne, and has patience, and for not my name's sake, has labored, and has has not fainted. A lot of great and good things he said about the church at Ephesus, and yet he doesn't leave it there. He says in verse 4, Nevertheless, I have somewhat against thee, because thou hast left thy first love. Remember, therefore, from whence thou art fallen, repent and do the first works, or else I will come unto thee quickly and will remove thy candlestick out of his place, except thou repent." But this thou hast, thou thou, that thou hatest the deeds of the Nicolaitans, which also I hate. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. To him that overcometh, will I give to eat of the tree of life, which is in the midst of the paradise of God. I mean, great church. I don't care how good the church can possibly be. You know what, folks? There are times when every church is lacking in some area. Let's not deceive ourselves. Sometimes even the best of churches have lost their love for God. They may have orthodoxy. They may do everything right. They may say everything right. The doctrine may be all of what it's supposed to be. But somehow they've left their first love, which is Christ. Amen? It's the chief consideration Looking back to our text in John 21. Looking back to our text in John 21. As we seek to answer the question in our own hearts, lovest thou me? In John 21. These things being true, the things we've already considered, let us consider a few other things in relationship to this question. In verse 15, so when they had dined, Jesus saith to Simon, Peter, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me more than these? He saith to him, Yea, Lord, thou knowest that I love thee. He saith to him, Feed my lambs. You know, the first thing we want to consider concerning the question of lovest thou me is our love for the Lord is characterized by our devotion. It's characterized by our devotion. Now, you know what's interesting? Jesus addressed something the first time he questions Peter uh, with the question, lovest thou me? He says, lovest thou me more than these? What are these he's referring to? Well, let's remember something, folks. It would seem there's a question in Peter's devotion because of what he is seemed to be drawn back to. Now, remember, Simon Peter... And his brothers and what have you were fishermen, commercial fishermen, and they loved to fish. Now, I know some people in this church that love to fish. Now, fishing isn't a sin against God unless it becomes something that encompasses your heart and you become so devoted to it that you leave off serving God, amen, and living for God. Here, Peter had been saved by the grace of God. God called him out. Uh, from that work to a different work. In verse 1, we'll back up a little bit, get the context of what these is talking about. In John 21 and 1, After these things Jesus showed himself again to his disciples at the Sea of Tiberias, and on this wise showed he himself. They were together, uh, there were together Simon Peter, Thomas called Didymus, Nathanael of Cana in Galilee, and, uh, and the son of Zebedee, and two other of his disciples, Simon Peter saith unto them, I go fishing. Now folks, you know what? <clears throat> there's, there's something I have to ask myself. Is he discouraged, or maybe he's being distracted? I mean, the Lord has died, risen again. They've seen the Lord. The Bible says he appeared 40 days after he had risen from the dead before he finally ascended uh, to be with the Lord in heaven again. Simon Peter saith unto them, I go fishing. And let me say this, you know what, he was having an influence on some of these guys, because they said to him, "Uh, we also go with thee. They went forth and entered into a ship immediately, and that night they caught nothing. But when the morning was now come, Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples knew not that it was Jesus. Then uh, Jesus saith unto them, children, have ye any meat? They answered him, no. And he said unto them, cast the net on the right side of the ship, and he shall find, now he didn't have a depth finder. He didn't have one of the little, those little fish finder things. You know, I've been fishing with, with some people, and they have those cool, you know, the depth finders and the fish. And you can look on that little projector and like, whoa. You can see the fish schooling along. You can see them at different depths and what have you. Peter and them didn't have this. But they had something better than a fish finder. They had the Lord Jesus Christ, the God of all the earth, the God of creation, to direct them. He says, cast the net on the right side of the ship and ye shall find they cast therefore and now they were not able to draw it for the multitude of the fishes. You know, you'd think these guys would have known. They didn't know. You know what? I think they were a little bit out of God's will here. They're out in the boat. They're fishing. They should have been maybe uh, preparing to serve God but they're out in the boat now. Let's go fishing. Christ comes to them. It says, cast the net, they they draw a multitude of fishes, verse seven. Therefore that disciple whom Jesus loved, speaking of the apostle John, saith unto Peter, It is the Lord. Now when Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he girded his fishers coat on, unto him, for he was naked. Does that mean he was stark naked? I think he was not clothed properly. Amen. You know, this business of going to swimming at the lake or the pool or whatever, running around in your little bikini or whatever, is sin. You're naked. And Peter is naked, and he knows that he's not right. He puts on his fisher's coat, <clears throat> and to cast himself, and he's trying to cover up, amen. And the other disciples came into a little ship where they were not far from the land, but as, a, but as it were 200 cubits, dragging the net of, uh, with fishes. And as soon as they were come to the land, they saw the fire and coals there, and fish laid on them, and, and bread. Jesus saith to them, Bring ye the fish, bring of the fish which you have now caught. Simon Peter went up and drew the net to the uh, land full of great fishes, an hundred and fifty and three. And for all there were, no, there were so many, yet was not the net broken. Uh, Jesus saith unto them, Come and dine. None of the disciples durst ask him, who art thou knowing that it was the Lord. Jesus then opened, and uh, the, Jesus then cometh, and taketh bread, and giveth them, and fish likewise. This is now the third time that Jesus showed himself to his disciples after that he was risen from the dead. So they knew he was alive and well, and yet something was going on in Peter's heart, and I think there's a question concerning his devotion, his love for the Lord. That's why the Lord asked the question, not because he didn't know, but Peter needed to know. And we need to ask ourselves this question from time to time. Lovest thou me? Do you love the Lord as you ought to? Because, folks, you know what? Don't bank on the fact that from day to day you're going to love the Lord as you ought to or that your love cannot grow cold. Look with me to Matthew chapter 4. Matthew chapter 4 and verse 18. I remember when I was in uh, Bible college, our, our pastor said to us, One time in practical studies, he said the easiest place to get backslidden is in Bible college. It's because you get so busy doing uh, things, doing your classwork and all this stuff that you forget to to take the time to have personal devotions, take the time to be sure that you personally are right with God. And it was true. He, He knew what he was talking about. And I can remember at times being so overwhelmed with the work, and you're working, I'm working full time, and going to school, taking full classes, and go, 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 all, things, these, all these things. were, And I was memorizing Scripture, doing all I was in the Bible all the time. But I found myself at times not right with God, even though I was in Bible college. We need to be careful, folks. He says in Matthew chapter 4, and let's look if you will, <clears throat> to verse 14. Uh, uh, verse, verse 18, I'm sorry. And Jesus, walking by the Sea of Galilee, saw two brethren, Simon called Peter and Andrew his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishers. And they saith unto them, Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. And they straightway left their nets and followed him. And going on from thence he saw other two brethren, James the son of Zebedee and John his brother, in a ship with Zebedee and their, their father, mending their nets, and he called them. And they immediately left the ship and their father and followed him. You know, they left their livelihood. They left the work that they loved, they'd grown up with, and they left it to go on to follow the Lord, to become fishers of men, soul winners, preachers of the gospel. They'd left that work. They were doing the work. But now... Now Christ has risen from the dead. He is appearing to them the third time. And there's some question, even with the apostle John, whom Jesus, the Bible says, he says of himself, whom Jesus loved. You know, who was out in the boat with him? John. John was. He followed Peter. Peter said, hey, let's go fishing, buddies. So they all went fishing. And the apostle John, who knew and had a great sense of the love of God, was having trouble maybe with his own love. they weren't doing what the lord wanted Matthew 10 Matthew chapter 10 and verse 34 Matthew 10 and 34 Jesus said this think not that i am come to send peace on the earth i came not to send peace but a sword for i am come to set a man at variance against his father and the daughter-in-law against her mother or the daughter against her mother and the daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law and a man's foe shall be they of his own household he that loveth father or mother more than me is not worthy of me and he that loveth not he that loveth son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me and he that taketh not his cross and followeth after me is not worthy of me he that findeth his life shall lose it and he that loseth his life for my sake uh, the sake, for my sake shall find it you know it's interesting he's not telling us to hate our families but what he's trying to say is be careful of who you're the most devoted to. Are we devoted to the Lord? Or are we more devoted to our family? Even to the place where we'll, we will compromise what we know to be right. Compromise with our service for God in order to please family and friends. Folks, you know, sometimes when we love the Lord and God's called us to do something for God, that there are times when our family's not going to agree and maybe they're lost and they're going to oppose what we do, or maybe even saved family members will oppose what we're trying to do for God. And we have to ask ourselves, you know, what's more important, doing what God wants or doing what my family wants? And that's a difficult thing, folks. We, we should love our families. God's not saying don't love your family. But understand this, there are times when we have to love God above our family and do what's right in the face of what they think is right. Maybe they're not right, though they imagine it to be so. You know, where the great commandment of the law is to love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy mind. First and foremost, our devotion is to be for the Lord. Look at Luke 9. Look at Luke 9 and 57. Luke 9 and 57. As I think about family, we need to continue to pray for Brother Darren and his, his uh, mom and dad. How are they doing? Have you heard anything today? Or? They're not doing too good. Let's pray for them, folks. They have, they're, they're a little older than I am, and they're struggling. They have uh, extra issues to deal with. Let's pray for them. Amen? In uh, Luke 9 and 57, the Bible says it came to pass that, uh, that as they went in the way, a certain man said unto him, Lord, I will follow thee whithersoever thou goest. Jesus said unto him, Foxes have holes, and the birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man hath not where to lay his head. And he said unto another, Follow me. But he said, Lord, <clears throat> suffer me first to go and bury my father. And Jesus said unto him, Let the dead bury their dead, but go thou and preach the kingdom of God. And another said, also said, Lord, I will follow thee, uh, but f- let me first go and bid them farewell which are at my house. Let me say this, all, all, in all three cases they're making excuses for serving God. But the Lord says here in verse 62, And Jesus said unto him, No man having put his hand to the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. It's not fit for going to heaven, but rather fit for service in the kingdom of heaven. You know, folks, Uh, God wants us as his servants to have our devotion focused first and foremost on the Lord and realize there are going to be times when there may be someone in our family or friends or what have you that will oppose what we're trying to do for God because we're devoted to him, because we love him and want to serve him. You know, folks, we as Christian people don't do what we do because we have to. We do what we do because we want to. If you get to a place where you feel that you're doing what you're doing because you have to, something is wrong in your heart. Amen. Folks, we ought to obey God because uh, we love Him, because it is our heart to do so. In 1 John 2 and verse 15, 1 John 2 and 15... You know, sometimes our wanter isn't where it ought to be. Amen. In 1 John 2 and 15, love not the world, the Bible says here. <clears throat> we'll start <clears throat> in verse 15. Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world passeth away, and he and the lust thereof. But he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. He's talking about loving, loving the Lord above the world. And he says here, little children, it is the last time. As you have heard that Antichrist shall come, even now are there many Antichrists, whereby we know that it is the last time. They went out from us, but uh, but they were not all of us. For if they had been of us, they had they would no doubt have continued with us. But they went out that it might be manifest that they were not all of us. He said, why did you read these last two verses with it? Because of this, it's in context with what we're in love with. God says to his people, love not the world, neither the things in earth. What, what things? The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. You know, not everything in the world is sinful. But folks, we can get caught up in this world. We as Christian people, if we're not careful, can get caught up in the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. Those things are not of the Father. And folks, that means there's something wrong with our love and devotion for God if we can love the world and all those things therein more than God. More than God. And sometimes if we're not careful about our love, it can turn us away from or out of the will of God. If you will, look with me to 2 Timothy uh, chapter 4. 2 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 9. 2 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 9. The Bible says this, Do thy diligence uh, to come shortly unto me. Now watch verse 10. For Demas hath forsaken me, having loved this present world, and is departed unto Thessalonica. Now it doesn't say that necessarily of Crescens to Galatia, Titus to Dalmatia, but it says specifically of Demas. Now in one other place it says that Demas has been with Paul, he's been a servant with, the, with Paul, and now Paul is in prison and people are beginning to bail and maybe they're looking at the suffering they may have to go through themselves and maybe they've been entertaining thoughts. Maybe Demas had been entertaining thoughts of the world that, you know, maybe this Christian business isn't what, you know, they've been talking about all this good stuff and, but I've seen so much suffering, I've seen much difficulty and, uh, you know, if I just left off of that, I could say I was a Christian and I could just coast and do nothing for the Lord risk nothing for the Lord you know folks when it, when it comes to loving God and being devoted to him sometimes we risk some things we risk displeasure we, we risk uh, even people treating us badly even physical harm and loss Paul went through it Paul was in prison and Paul felt alone he said but later on he said nevertheless the Lord uh, stood with me you know we're never alone with the Lord, and yet, you know what a what a blessing it is when God's people are faithful to the Lord. That means there's there's maybe less question about their devotion, and the question before us is, "Lovest thou me? Lovest thou me more than these?" In Second Timothy two 1. and one, Second Timothy two and one. 2 Timothy 2 and 1 Thou therefore, 11, and you'll find out how many things he went through for the cause of Christ, and he went through them because he was devoted to to the call of God and the service of Jesus Christ. He says, Thou therefore endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. No man that warreth entangleth himself with the affairs of this life, that he may please him who hath chosen him to be a soldier, and if a man also strive uh, for masteries, Yet is he not crowned, except he strive lawful. He talks about not entangling ourselves in the affairs of this life. Now, you know, we have to live in this world. We have to work a job. We have to do certain things to exist in this world. But we need to be careful that we're not so entangled with everything going on in this world that we forget why we're here. And why are we here? Well, first and foremost, to bring glory to God to do His will to reach out to, to a lost and dying world around us. You know, one of the most... ...in you want, and it doesn't mean that we're not, you should not stop witnessing or what have you, but sometimes it can be so encompassing The kinds of things that we're trying to get done and make sure everything gets done properly and timely. And sometimes we get entangled with it, and it's not necessarily a bad thing, but it could be a bad thing. And what is it that's going on in your life that you may be tangled up with? that has turned you aside from being devoted and loving the Lord as you ought to. Maybe that has turned you aside from reading your Bible, from praying, to being concerned about the lost world that's, that you have contact with. You know, there are people that you have... that I will not be able to reach out to talk to you. Please, let's not leave off loving God. You have been in the past. You know, it's sad when we ask ourselves and we say to ourselves, you know, I I comforter, the spirit of God that dwells within us to do so, Hebrews 4 every day folks we have to ask God to help us to to do right help us to love him, to live for him help us to do his will and listen, help us to see when our heart is not right i 'm not sure Peter really saw and understood that there was a problem. The Lord understood there was a problem. three times he addressed the problem, and Peter was struggling. With John 5 our love for the Lord constrains us to obedience in 1st John 5 and verse 1 1 John 5 and 1 whosoever believeth that Jesus is the Christ is born of God and everyone that loveth him that beget loveth him also that is begotten of him by this we know that we love the children of God when we love God and keep his commandments again the path of obedience for this is the love of God that we keep His commandments and His commandments are not grievous. And we ought to get before God and say, Lord, what's wrong? I'm struggling with being obedient. What's wrong? And the Lord may come back to us and ask the question, Lovest thou me? Lovest thou me? Last. Look back to Excuse me, uh, where I'm at. John 21. John 21. Sunday school. <laughs> John 21. Look at verse 17. This spake he of signifying uh, by what death he should glorify God. And when he had spoken this, he saith unto him, Follow me. And Peter turning about, seeth the disciple whom Jesus loved following, which also leaned on his breast at supper, and saith, and said, Lord, which is he that betrayeth thee? Peter seeing him, saith to Jesus, Lord, what will this man do? Now, you know, here's Peter. The Lord's already questioning him about his love. He finds out, the Lord says, you know, you're going to go to your death on a cross for me. History teaches us that he was crucified upside down. But you know what? The reality is, is that Peter struck. And he sees, you know, John had followed him. John had said, wait a second, got to get things right. And he gets on, he's following the Lord. And Peter looks and says, Lord, well, what about this guy? I mean, you want me to, well, what about him? And what was the Lord's answer? What is that to thee, follow thou me? It's not important what God wants someone else to do. It's important what God wants us to do. And love says, okay, I'll focus on what you want me to do for the glory of God. You know, sometimes, folks, we struggle in our obedience, and the Lord is not glorified by disobedience. He is not glorified by our disobedience. And you know, folks, it's a fact that we're not going to be sinlessly perfect. And we, we, when we sin, we can confess our sins. He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. But folks, do we not and are we not concerned about what we do as to whether it's glorifying God or not? We ought to be. Because it impacts others that are watching us. It impacts the, the relationship we have with other people. And I'm going to tell you something. You know, We've been dealing with contractors and what have you. And I'm going to tell you something. I get upset if those contractors look at us and say, you know what, those guys don't care how they treat me. And I do care, and the Lord does care. He does. Those are people that we can either impact for heaven or hell. And I want to do right by them. Because it's It's not just about finishing this project. It's about the souls that we encounter along the way. Matthew 25. Matthew 25. Let me tell you something, folks. The buck stops with me. We may run out of Matthew 25, verse 23. His Lord said unto him, Well done, good and faithful servant. Thou hast been faithful over a few things. I will make thee ruler over many things. Enter thou into the joy of thy Lord. Now you know, one of the greatest things about going to heaven one day is if we stand before the Lord that saved us by his grace, gave all, stand before him and we hear him say, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Now I've said before that in in the course of being faithful, it doesn't mean that we're not going to stumble and fall and make mistakes. We ought to to be, the longer we live, maybe the, the less mistakes we should make. So it won't mean that we've done everything perfectly. That, but when we find out we've been wrong, that we make it right as soon as we can with God and maybe those we've impacted. But we want to hear God say, Well done. We would not want to stand before God and God does, He turns his face because something's been wrong and we've not dealt with it. We've not been faithful. And he cannot say to us, well done. In Romans 14. And let's look, if you will, to verse 7. For none of us liveth to himself, and no man dieth to himself. For whether we live, we live unto the Lord, and whether we die, we die unto the Lord. Whether we live, therefore, or die, we are the Lord's. For to this end Christ both died and rose and revived, that he might be Lord both of the dead and the living. Watch verse 10. But why dost thou judge thy brother? Or why dost thou set it not thy brother? For we shall all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. Now you know what? There are times when there has to be spiritual judgment taking place because of sin. We're to, we're to restore such a one of the spirit of meekness so that we don't have to exercise church discipline but sometimes that, he's not talking about that he's talking about the casual way in which we treat each other because of opinions we think we have we're not loving we're critical we're judgmental and let me say this the truth and I The truth will be known at the judgment seat of Christ. It's not a judgment for sin, but rather our service and the motivation behind our service. The motivation will not escape the gaze of God because He knows. 1 Corinthians 3, 1 Corinthians chapter 3, and verse 9. For we are laborers together with God. You are God's husbandry. You are God's building. According to the grace of God, which is given unto me as a wise master builder, I have laid the foundation, and another buildeth thereon. But let everyone, every man take heed how he buildeth thereon. For other foundation can no man lay than that is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now if any man build upon this foundation gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, stubble, every man's work shall be made manifest, for the day shall declare it, because it shall be revealed by fire and the fire shall try every man's work of what sort it is if any man's work abide which he hath built thereon he shall receive a reward if any man's work sh- uh, shall be burned he shall suffer loss but he himself shall be saved yet so is by fire saved by the skin of your teeth with nothing to show for a life that was redeemed by the precious blood of Jesus Christ God's son we stand before the judgment seat of Christ and you know what All of what we've done for Christ will come under the scrutiny of the fire of God's judgment. And if it was something done for the right reason, according to what God wanted done, do you know what, folks? It will abide. It could be gold, precious stones. But if it's wood, hay, or stubble, it's going to be burned. up. You know what? It's going to go up in smoke. And and you'll be saved yet so as by faith saved by the skin of your teeth and nothing to show for it. 2 Timothy 4 2 Timothy chapter 4 and beginning of verse 6 Paul writes this For I am now ready to be offered in the time of my departure it is at hand. I have fought a good fight. I have kept the faith. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. Henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness which the Lord the righteous judge shall give me at that day and not to me only but unto all them also that love is appearing. You know, the Lord is coming again, and we're going to stand before the judgment seat of Christ, and folks, there's going to be a crown. A crown, you know what, folks? There's going to be a crown for some people that we don't think are deserving of a crown. But the Lord knows and sees things as they are. In Hebrews 6 and 10, Hebrews 6 and 10, For God is not unrighteous to forget your work and labor of love which you have showed toward his name in that you have ministered to the saints and do minister. God will not, listen, God will not forget what we've done for him. And he will say, well done one day, and he will give us a crown. Revelation 4. Revelation 4. To the glory of God. Revelation 4, beginning in verse 8. Revelation 4, beginning in verse 8. And the four beasts had each of them six wings about him, and they were full of eyes uh, within, and they rest not day and night, saying, Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, which, which was which, and is and is to come. And when those beasts had give, uh, give him glory and honor and thanks to him that sat on the throne who liveth forever and ever. The four and twenty elders fall down before him that sat on the throne and worship him that liveth forever and ever and cast their crowns before the throne, saying, Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power, for Thou hast created all things, and for Thy pleasure they are and were created. Do you know what, folks? To hear God say, well done, and then to give you and I a crown. Thank you for listening. If you have questions about this message, or if you would like information about our church, please visit us online at bbcdickinson.com.